I need to be very clear on what my priorities, aka my anchor points, aka my foundation is, um, in order to make the decisions that fulfill me. Welcome, this is Amelia Andalion, yoga and meditation teacher. And the voice you just heard earlier was of our guest, Jen Silvera. Jen is a hospice nurse. She's the co-owner of Baptiste Power Yoga San Francisco, which today, November 2nd, 2020, it happens to be their five-year anniversary. So happy anniversary to you, Jen, and your husband, Sean Silvera, both of your co-owners of BPYSF. So, so, so happy for you to be celebrating your anniversary. And Jen shares a lot of nuggets of wisdom in this episode. Not only did I enjoy talking to her, Jen and I are friends, and we could talk for a long time enjoying each other's company. And she shares about anchor points. And she shares about how that creates a, a foundation in her life and how it informs her decisions. And you'll hear more about that as you listen in. There are stories that she shares about being a nurse, a hospice nurse most recently. And I've known her for a couple of years and I heard stories that I'd never heard before. And I was so, so grateful to have the opportunity to interview her and share this with all of you to listen in. Thank you so much for being here. Enjoy. Welcome, Jen Silvera. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you and to have you grace your presence with us here on my podcast. I'm so excited for this episode with you today. Thanks for being here. Good morning, Meals. It's so good to talk to you. I'm sitting with a big smile on my face hearing oh, you. I can see that smile. <laughs> Those of you that don't know Jen Silvera, she's got a beautiful smile. She smiles not just with her her mouth. She's like the whole face, like the eyes, you know, light up and, oh. you know, you get that, uh, you know, that little crinkle. I won't say wrinkles. <laughs> no, you can say that. That's okay. I own that. <laughs> I'm 50 now, Mills. I own that. It's okay. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. You're so brave. You know, Jen, um, some people don't want to share what their age is. It's like, that's so brave. It's like, you don't, it's like, you know, I am, I'm just like, and especially I know you, it's just like, I just see you as somebody. So with a lot of vitality and, um, and like, it's just a number, right? Yeah, it is. It's just a number. And for me, um, I don't know, turning 50 was really kind of a pivotal thing for me, actually. It was, um, I don't know. It was a very clear point in my life where there was a shift. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's something that I've been looking at a lot and kind of thinking about a lot over the last couple of months since I did turn 50. And I think it's because um, I just really kind of took ownership of myself. Right. Yeah. So before we continue, can you let me know? Mm -hmm. So everybody can kind of get a picture of where, where is Jen Silvera right now? What, mm -hmm. what does it look like? What does it feel like? I am at my home in West Marin and we live 
kind of in a suburban area. So redwood trees abound and it's kind of a foggy morning and slightly chilly. And I'm sitting in my daughter's bedroom. Yeah, she's, she's off at school. So I come down here sometimes just to kind of feel her energy and be with her and sit in her space. Makes me feel connected to her. Yeah. 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 Nice. And then West Marin, that is north of San Francisco. Yep. So we're on the other side of the Golden Gate Bridge, mm-hmm. out towards the coast, not quite there. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, we're kind of like um, in the perfect situation out here because we're very close to the city and we're off the beaten path, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, I, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, we, this is a home that I have lived in with Sean, my husband, for almost 30 years now that we pretty much built from the ground up. So there's a lot of love and memories in this house. Wow. Yeah. So you've been married about 30 years. Yeah. Yeah, and then Skylar is, is she in her first or second year of college? Oh, my goodness, Amelia. She's in her final year. No, no. (laughs) I've lost track. I know. Oh, my gosh. I know. I know. Yep. She's in her senior year now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, you're reminding me that time is going by fast because Nora, she just started her first year of high school this year, virtual school at home. That's how we're doing it right now so wow. far. Crazy time. So different nowadays. Yeah. Mm. Wow. So I, I recently heard, it was a scientist, they were talking about the redwood trees mm. and how resilient the redwood trees. And we've had all of these wildfires and somehow the redwood trees, they don't burn. Have you heard that? Yeah, it's actually it's true to the degree I can tell you back, I want to say like seven or eight years ago, we had a fire here, our garage burned. And um, we had several pine trees dispersed in with the redwood trees and the pine trees burned and the redwood trees didn't, they were scarred. And though they're still standing beautifully and tall. How important is nature to you? Oh, it's so important for me to be outside and. Um, to be able to experience that. I fully, I hear so much what you're saying about the redwood trees and being able to ground into that space. I mean, for me, it's not negatable that we're all connected to a degree with the earth, the mother earth, you know, physics and science. It all shows that, you know, we're all just one big interconnected being. And for me, how do I say this? When I, when I'm in nature, I can experience the interconnectedness of nature and how it works together symbiotically. And it not only does it make me feel part of that, it also, it also kind of supports or helps me in creating connectedness with other people, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. just as a reminder that, you know, we're all one and nature is just sort of the, the, the base of that, the foundation of it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get that. I can, 
I can look at a sunset or, or be at a beach and just watch the waves and, and then all of a sudden be overcome with the, the grandeur or the awe of something bigger than myself. Yeah. It's and, kind um, of like mm-hmm. looking at the macro of it all. You know, I've heard like the astronauts speak about, you know, going into space and looking down at earth and seeing how it's all one big thing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if I'm too in the city or too in myself, it's too micro, it's too small for me. But when I get out into nature, it becomes like the big picture. Mm-hmm. You know, I can almost imagine that, you know, like if I'm sitting on a mountaintop, I'm looking out at the trees, it's like the next steps after that would be looking down from space and really getting a, a view of really just how, um, yeah, how it's all just one big interconnected family. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I have been curious because I have actually met friends who are city lovers and, you know, I describe my experience about nature and they don't get it because they don't like bugs. You know, they don't like dirt. They don't, you know, so they don't have that same (laughs) sensation and yet they can still explain like they might have a, a small little um, planter box, you know, that has some flowers in it. Or maybe they have some lettuce that they're growing or something small just on their, their balcony or, or maybe some herbs at their, their kitchen sink. And, um, and they, they've taught me that it doesn't always have to be the grandeur, even though that I, you know, I tend to like be kind of blown away by the, the big sweeping vistas, mm-hmm. you know, out like in, in the wilderness, mm-hmm. what I'll call wilderness. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I want to you know, I, I, I do what I can to try to bring that sense back with me, even if I can't always be living at the ocean <laughs> or living underneath the redwood trees. Cause I'm, I'm not always there. Mm. I'm not always in those, those natural spaces. And, um, but I get that feeling. I, I totally connect to that feeling. No, I love that though. How you do that, how you can capture the feeling you know, when you're in it and you have an ability or an awareness to bring it back with you to be able to capture it again when you can't be in it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's that's been important to me. Like during this, um, I know you and I, we share a love of traveling mm-hmm. and during this, uh, pandemic or during the shutdown, you know, I've, I, there are trips that we had planned, you know, and we didn't get to go to. And, and one of the questions I've had is how can I, how can I get that sense of like vacation or that sense of getaway when I can't get away? You know, what, what, what happens when that's taken away from you, when that freedom is taken away from you? Mm. And, um, and I'm curious, like how, how have you been coping during the shutdown? Well, the shutdown for me, personally speaking, has been a little bit different. Um, Mm -hmm. I've been more ungrounded and away from my home base than I have been in years Mm. In years. And, um, I'm definitely, I'm super aware of the fact that I have been in a a huge transitional state in my life. And, um, I've been away from my home for a really long time and, 
where I once thought I was ready to like go and I want to travel and do all these things and be away and be away. I'm very present to the fact that I also need, I'm not going to say need. Yeah. I also want to be at home as well. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's hard for me to speak to that exactly the the inability to be away from from um, my house and how that affected me because I have been away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So why don't you let listeners know because they don't know well a little bit a little bit more about you, right? So a nurse, owner, yoga studio, and then your life now. Can can you describe what's you know what what has been your journey? Oh boy. You start as young as you want. <laughs> well, you know, it's my journey is not really that like overly interesting. You know, it's not like I, yeah, it's not really overly interesting. I grew up in New York and I came to California when I turned 18 just because I hated New York. I, I really did. I think I was just born in the wrong state, just was never really a fit for me. Um, I came to California when I turned 18. My intention was then that I was going to go to UCLA and I was going to go to law school. And um, I made a, I stopped up in Marin County because my mom at the time had been living here and I wanted to establish residency. So I was staying here for a while and going to the community college. And I met my husband, Sean, and um, fell in love. And Sean like Sean was um, something that I had manifested when I was a kid. I always said that I would marry a Marine on the motorcycle. And <laughs> and that's a true statement. That's like true. I, I drove up on the motorcycle one day and I was like, oh my, wow. Okay, there we go. And so, yeah, so that's been a huge anchor point for me my whole life. I mean, you know, like I said, I'm 50 and Sean and I have been married 28 years. So it's more than half my life. So um, Sean and I got married and I went into nursing and that was another thing that is another huge anchor point for me. Um, had Skylar, my, our only daughter, my third mm -hmm. huge anchor point, not necessarily in that order, by the way. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> I'm going to disclaim that right now. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and, uh, I started my yoga practice when I was, you know, just after I had sky and I was an emergency nurse and uh, trying to manage my life. And it was a challenge for me. And a friend brought me into a yoga class to, you know, support me getting back into my body. And I happened to be taking a Baptiste class and I fell in love with it. I fell in love with the practice, the physicality of the practice, and I fell in love with the structure of it all. And I became a diehard Baptiste yogi until, I mean, really, really diehard until one day um, Sean and I decided that we were going to open up a yoga studio, a Baptiste mm -hmm. yoga studio, and literally quit my career and turned our lives topsy-turvy, which is almost five years ago Wow! for that and spent uh, four years growing that community and the team at Baptiste, Baptiste Power Yoga San Francisco and mm -hmm. working at Baptiste myself 
and predominantly Sean doing that. And um, that was what, um, yeah, that's, and then, you know, when COVID happened, a shift started to change. Well, actually, that's not true. A shift started to change. Uh, working with my husband in that in that sort of a relationship really wasn't great for our marriage. Mm-hmm. It just um, it just wasn't a workable relationship for us. So mm-hmm. we we were we had made the decision that we were going to somehow transition or recreate the whole situation. And, um, we made, I decided that I was going to go back into nursing, into hospice nursing, which was something that I had always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And, um, so in May, this past May, I took a job as a hospice nurse and I've been doing that. And, missing my practice and longing for the Baptiste community. So now getting real discovering that and what that looks like for me in a different way. So it's been, it's been a quite a journey of discovery and um, um, learning what's important to me. And um yeah, you know, Sean is my biggest spiritual partner. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, that happened early on. And with that anchor and that commitment, um, I've learned so much and I grow so much. And I'm discovering things about myself and what I want. And uh, yeah, here we are today. Yeah. Wow. So I so a couple things that came to mind. So going back to your an earlier comment you made about that you don't have an interesting story or journey and I will I will debate that. <laughs> I think we actually all have a fascinating story and um I have to say you know I'm new to recording these podcast episodes and talking to people and you know we can't all be celebrities or interview celebrities but um I have found every everyone's story fascinating mm. and um something something for us to learn and uh and I think what stuck out for me was the use of anchor mm. and anchor point yeah and I love how you I love how you said that and was that intentional for you to and then and then on top of that it's like you have made changes in your life you have made moves you've made career changes you know what what guides you what guides you into making, you know, your choices in your life? It's such a great question, Amelia. And it really, it comes back to having turned 50 as well. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, if I don't have structure, and this is true for most people, if there's no structure, there's only chaos. Like Mm -hmm. too many choices and too many choices just become overwhelming for me. And so I need to be very clear on what my priorities, AKA my anchor points, AKA my foundation is, um, in order to make the decisions that fulfill me. Mm -hmm. And, um, when you have a child, when I had a child, it was very clear, 
you know, my anchor point or my world now is going to revolve around my child. That's the way, you know, that it was, or, you know, I have a job. So my job is going to revolve. My life is going to revolve around my job and my, and I have a, a marriage and a husband. And so my life is going to revolve around that. And so with those anchor points, it allows me to make the decisions. Like I could, in all the choices of the world today, you know, I, I could have picked up and taken a job in Timbuktu nursing or whatever that was. Mm-hmm. And you know, I have an anchor point. I have a commitment to my husband and I have a commitment to our marriage. And so mm-hmm. that, that was ruled out. It becomes like a filter. So for me, my anchor points are my wants and what's important to me. And going back to the original or the first part of our conversation, turning 50 mm-hmm. was really a pivotal point where I really started to discover what's important to me and what I want distinct from what I need. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of- is there a, is there a, like a, a life is short. It's mm-hmm. like, I'm tired of like doing what everybody else wants me to do. I'm going to, you know, be true to myself. Is it something like that? hundred percent, hundred percent. And you know, it's a funny little thing, but like really what got me like really on this gig was that, you know, that Marie Kondo book, you know, the, the, yeah, I don't know. I know it's ridiculous, right? <laughs> yeah. I remember you tackling the office, you and Ducky and <laughs> yes. Right. And I wanted to do workshops on this. It was so powerful for me. I remember the day, like the one, like she says, wash all of your underwear, put them out on the bed and pick out the ones that you love. And I remember standing there at the bed and picking out like, like, just like innately without even thought, just going and picking out the ones that I loved. And I was like, wow, you really like the color blue. And wow, you really don't like, like, and it was like, all of a sudden I'm like in this, in this space of learning about myself, like, wow, I really like blue or wow, I really like this. And then I'd go to the coffee cups and I'm like, wow, I really like the coffee cup that fits my hand like this, or the one where the where the handle on the mug is big enough that my hand can fit in it or that my two hands can fit on the cup or all of a sudden I'm like in this discovery of like, wow, what do I want? What do I, Mm -hmm. what do I want? Right. And so I like started to purge my house of all the things that I didn't, that were just taking up space, Mm -hmm. you know, like the cups that were in the, in the drawer that, if I grabbed it in the morning without thinking about it, I'm like, no, I don't really want that cup. I don't want that cup. Like, you know, you know what I mean? do you ever do that in the morning? Like you kind of like look for your favorite cup. <laughs> oh, I do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what I love too is how, um, you know, what I heard too is like, you are choosing what fits you. you like what suits you. Mm-hmm. And it makes me think about how many times I have chosen things and I have not connected to the sense of something fitting me or not fitting me. I've just done it because I should, I should have, or, or somebody told me I should, or I thought that that was the right thing to do mm-hmm. instead of being so, so connected to the sense of, does it, does it fit me? Does it suit me? You know, and you're saying it as, you know, do you want this thing? 
but um but you're 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 tactile you're like touching this like cup and it doesn't feel good as you hold it in your hand you know the color blue you you don't want the other underwear unless it's blue <laughs> yeah totally and it's all of that you know and it's been um you know in the in the realm of like scarcity not scarcity like simplicity like yeah if it's not something that i don't want that I don't want it in my space and somebody else might want it. And so, you know, it's been a lot of like giving up to, you know, to kind of fill myself up. Mm-hmm. And there, there was times in my life where it wasn't about me, you know, it was about, well, what does Skylar want? Right. It was always my number one priority always, mm-hmm. you know, and even, you know, being married with Sean, like, well, what does Sean want? And then my stuff came, you know, kind of came last. And I think as caregivers, you know, as nurses and things like that, I think there's just sort of an auto looking out for what everyone else wants for me anyway. That was my Mm kind of default. Mm -hmm. And I kind of lost myself. Yeah. Like, well, wait, Jen, what do you, what what do you want? What do you, what do you want right now? Right. Yeah, that's a, I think that's common for those of us married and those of us that are parents. You know, I know and I I I feel like you've helped me with this. We've had conversations about this where I felt like, you know, I moved because of my husband. You know, I don't get to do what I want to do because I have a daughter and I'm obligated to like take care of her and and when I shifted to you know, I choose this that I actually choose to make her a priority or my marriage a priority, then it took me out of feeling like a victim of circumstances. And then I, um, then I hadn't, then I got my power back to choose it. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And for me, it makes it easier for me when I have those anchor points or those priorities. It's like, okay, well, if a, if a decision comes or if a, an opportunity comes to me that like sounds really great or whatever. It has to fit within the realm of my anchor points or at least be able to um, be within the realm of like a workability mm-hmm. within my anchor points. And and that just makes it intentional. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like two, um, I don't want to make this a, a, a Baptiste thing. Yeah. Foundation. Think of your feet in your, in your, in your practice. Think of a foundation of a house. If you're not committed, if I'm not committed to the foundation, then the whole thing's going to fall down. Mm-hmm. You know, right. that's, that's kind of this, the same analogy that I see there. I'm not committed to the anchor points or the foundation of myself and what my commitments are. Then the whole thing will fall down. And I need to know, I want to know what my foundation points are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And I get that. You're saying grounding your feet down, creating that foundation and your your anchor points, which I love. I, I've got that in my mind, anchor points. Yeah. And, you know, you I kind of have chills in my right now because you just got me aware of the fact that how do I maintain my spiritual um how do I stay spiritually fit is my yoga practice for me. Mm-hmm. It is Baptiste yoga because the, that methodology is simply a Westernization of Eastern philosophies that mm-hmm. are spiritual guides 
that's really, for me, that's what all of that is. And then the physical practice is just the opportunity to embody the, the practices or the concepts on the mat so that they can become familiar to me so that I am more familiar with them off of the mat. And, and, um, yeah, that I got, I would have to say, how do I say spiritually fit? It's my yoga practice for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. hundred yeah, percent. Great. Yeah. So I, I want to ask a little bit more about your nursing choices before you were an emergency mm-hmm. nurse. Is that right? I started as a critical care nurse at mm-hmm. Alameda County Medical Center Highland over there in the East Bay. And then um so that's um that's a tough gig, huh? That was the most fulfilling amazing job I ever had. And though I was working nights in the East Bay and I had an infant daughter and I didn't want to make the commute anymore. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. An amazing amazing job and probably the first time I ever really started to get the sense that we are all the same <laughs> no matter oh what do you who mean you are well I can give you a story more recently around that what, what I can tell you about that though there is that I was caring for people you know I was caring for homeless people to whomever, it didn't matter. And the thing about healthcare is, you know, we have an obligation to treat regardless of your financial situation. So we see everybody as one, nurses, healthcare Mm -hmm. providers, there is no distinguishing between, you know, anything, genders, Mm -hmm. races, anything like that. We, Mm -hmm. we care for everyone as one. Mm -hmm. And at Highland, I had the opportunity to do that. It was such an eclectic, um, demographic and um, so many different people and working in the ICU, seeing people or being with people at their most vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, when people are ill and families are with their friends that are ill, we all have the same emotions and we all have the same responses and reactions. And we all, um, by and large, they can be dealt with or addressed or responded to in the same manner with generous listening and, and just being there for people. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that generous, generous listening. That's a, another little soundbite that I'm going to grab onto. I love that. Oh, and Jen, yeah. could you describe just briefly um, for people that don't know where Highland hospital is, can you just describe like where, where is it and what, what is the, what is the demographic? Mm-hmm the environment of well, that, can, where that hospital is i can tell you that they called it the rod and gun club the rod and gun club so yeah. in like downtown oakland and um it serves it's the county hospital or it was when i was there anyway and so everybody and anybody was there we took care of everybody from the homeless people on the street to yeah whomever showed up it was also a trauma center too so you could have been driving your you know $200,000 Ferrari down the road and it had you flipped it, you would have come to Highland because that was the trauma center. So, mm. you know, it was regardless, we, we took care of everybody. Mm-hmm. Then after that, I went over to Marin General and I worked in the emergency room for 
most of my nursing career now. Um, and I loved that job too. It, the demographic was a little bit more sheltered though. Mm-hmm. Um, the suburbs, would you say suburbs or what? How yeah, would you? Yep. I would say, you know, yeah. the, um, you know, the median income was, is much higher. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was just, it's just a different demographic, just yeah. less, um, yeah, just less variety, so to speak, mm-hmm. if you would. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I love that too, you know, um, again, same thing, dealing with people in their, literally their worst, in their worst moments, being sick or whatever that is, um, trying to hold space for people or learning how to hold space and care for people when they're in their worst moments. Mm-hmm. And now um, in hospice, again, the ultimate, <laughs> mm-hmm. the ultimate of holding space for families and for people as they're ending you know, as they're coming to their lives end. And I can tell you, you wanted an example on any given day. Um, specifically this one day I was at a place over in South San Francisco with a woman who was dying and she, I can't even explain it. It was, um, it was just I can't even explain how the, the, you know, these poor families live. They just, they don't really have the means and they're doing the best that they can to take care of um, their mom. And they just, um, you know, it was barely, it was a couple of steps away from being homeless yet they're trying to take care of their mom. And so I go and, you know, my role there is to support them in creating, you know, the death that, their mom wanted to have, you know, no pain and, and, um, easeful and a little bit of love, you know, surrounded by love. And in the same day I traveled to Belvedere and I'm in the gigantic homes of the same situation. People are dying and, um, families are trying to do the same thing, just hold space and be support and, provide love and comfort and ease and grace. It's the same exact conversation. It's the same exact conversation on my behalf with these people, regardless of their color, creed, demographic, financial background. Mm -hmm. We all die. We all go through the same processes. Yeah. Do you have a, do you have a fear of death? And is it, has it shifted since you've um, been a hospice nurse? No, it's a funny thing about me. I actually, I don't. I never did. I don't know. I, mm-hmm. <laughs> I sometimes mm-hmm. think about that. Like, am I kidding myself? Um, <laughs> and no. Yeah. I I have. I think as an emergency room nurse, um, I was present enough to so many situations, to so many deaths, to know that that is not the end. Mm -hmm. That is not the end. And I, because I've felt that and I couldn't explain it, I've, you know, read a lot about it and I've researched it a lot and, you know, physics is telling us and proving it that it's not, you know, that 
energetically speaking, we are energetic beings and we know that energy is neither created nor destroyed. It's just recreated. Mm-hmm. And I find it fascinating. So I'm, I almost want to say I'm excited about it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm scared. Yes. But you know, excitement and fear are kind of, you know, nervousness and fear, it's all kind of the same and how you choose to perceive it is really what it boils down to. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I do not negate the fact that it's sad that there is loss um, involved. Mm-hmm. And though I also trust that um, there is something more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's something more. I felt it and I trust it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And then what led you to, of all the nursing positions you could have taken, during this time, what led you to a hospice position? I as I always had a curiousness around it because I felt mm-hmm. it. And then um, last year, my mom died, and my mom had gone into her um, hospice, and I was mm-hmm. her primary person for that, and as a nurse and a pretty present person as I consider myself to be normally that threw me for a loop. And if it wasn't for the support of the hospice team, the hospice nurse, um, what could have been, um, not a very graceful and easeful situation was in fact not only a graceful easeful situation but one of my proudest accomplishments was was being able to be with my mom and support her in the death that she had and so to be able to um for me to be able to walk into a situation with a family that's trying to support one of their loved ones in their dying process but don't have the tools um, to be able to walk into that situation and be a contribution just by um, being a, um, a grounded space and just by listening and asking some very simple questions, like really simple questions. I have three questions really that I ask people that get them right on track. Um, it's a gift for me. Like I've, you know, to be able to walk out and have these people say, Oh my God, thank you so much. Or to, you know, afterwards, after the fact to say, you know, thank you so much. You know, we were really able to enjoy that time together at the end. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, based on the support of hospice and the nurses, it's to me, that's, that's, um, that's my purpose. That's my, that's, that's the most fulfilling thing I can possibly do. Wow. Yeah. You know, in yoga, we talk about Dharma, Mm. right? Our being of service. Mm -hmm. 
Is that, is that what it is for you right now? hundred percent. hundred percent. And that, again, I think turning 50, getting clear on, you know, I kind of knew it back before then, you know, I was doing what I was doing just because it worked and I could do it, whether it be nursing or whatever it was, I was kind of doing it and going through the motions because it worked. And now in reflection, now I know why, why I did it and why I do it, why I choose it. And I am more able to, you know, say no to things that aren't in alignment with my dharma or won't allow me to make a contribution in a way that support my purpose. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. And it also makes me think, I know when I turned 50, I'm going to be 56 this year. I can't believe it, but you know, it's just a number. (laughs) It is Um, a number. I would have never known. No. And I actually know it and, and I don't minimize it. I actually love it. Yeah, I I am surprised at how much I've loved my 50s. I've appreciated it. And it's brought to mind um, a legacy. Mm. Like, how do I want to leave my life, lead my life, you know, and leave a legacy? It's like, what do I want my daughter to remember about me? You know, my grandkids, when she has kids, you know, my my community. Um, and I and I feel like, you know, I don't think of it as morbid you know, thinking about approaching death, which I feel like for me, it's a long, it's a long ways away. And, um, you know, it's an opportunity to be really mindful in, uh, you know, am I going to choose the blue underwear or not? (laughs) You know, to be mindful about the choices that we make in our life, what suits us, what fits us. And then for me, aligning with, you know, what, how is that going to be a contribution beyond beyond my living, beyond my being here, you know, here while, I, while I'm alive too, and, and beyond. Mm, I love that. You, I love that idea of um, what's your legacy. Cause it's almost like what I'm hearing you say is like, it's almost like in another way, you know how sometimes people are like, what are my goals? What am I moving? What am I trying to achieve? What are my goals? I want the big house. I want the job. I want to make this much money. I want to make that. What I hear you saying is like, what is my legacy? How do I want people to remember me? Mm-hmm. So it's a kind of a different way. Like, who do I want to be as opposed to what do I want to have or what do I want to achieve? Um, yeah. And it's not remember me in a way of ego. Right. How can I leave this this world a better place? Yeah. And, you know, I used to think that that meant leaving the world, leaving the world a better place for me used to mean, okay, making a huge impact, like, I don't know, the big companies or how many studios can I open or whatever that is or and now really it's just a matter of how can i leave people in their joy how can i make an impact on this one person and you know for me it's it's to make a contribution to support whatever how in whatever role i'm in whether it be nursing as a mom as whatever that is so 
um, yeah, I think, I guess if I want to say anything like midlife slash 50 slash whatever, like things are starting to just get fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Don't you think, do you read that book falling upward? I mean, there's a million. No. Yeah. Richard Rohr wrote a book. He's, um, he's, a. Oh Yeah. Yeah. And he writes about it. Like the first half of your life, you're trying to figure it all out and who are you and establish your anchor points and establish all of that stuff. And then you hit this point where, okay, you've kind of, you got a sense of who you are and now take what you know and run with it. (laughs) As much as I love talking about anything and everything with you, Jen, I want to start wrapping up and go to the questions I've been asking all of my guests, starting with what are three ways you would suggest, your top three suggestions for staying spiritually fit? Have a, have a practice that um, supports presence for your own self. Mm. For me, it's my yoga practice. Um, a gratitude practice get into the habit of looking for what works as opposed to what doesn't work. Um, And the third thing would be time, time to slow down, time to think about things, time to create connections, to see connections um, as opposed to differences amongst things and just the awareness of spirituality, meaning that we're all connected we're all one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so great. I had so much fun talking to you today. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much. I wish we had four hours. <laughs> Well, we can do part two, part three, part four. You we should do that. You should do like a Joe Rogan podcast where you just talk for like three hours until the conversation ends. Oh, is that what he does? I think so. I don't know. Sometimes the podcasts are so long. It's just a conversation. But I really appreciate being with you and the opportunity to talk to you. Me too. Mm. Me too. I'm not letting you off the hook yet, though, because I have one more question for you. Please. Yeah. So, um, the final wrap up is what is the blessing that you have the blessing, the gift you have experienced out of this, maybe because of this shutdown COVID black lives matter, whatever has happened in this last six months. So the greatest gift in one word, I would have to say from COVID would be, um, for me, awareness. Mm-hmm. the opportunity to clear the slate to turn everything upside down and recreate mm. it. Yeah. My teacher, my teacher Baron says you need to sometimes deconstruct the pose to reconstruct the pose. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to do that in my own life. And, um, 
needed a catalyst to make that happen. And it did. The COVID came along for me. It was a gift. It was a gift overall. Wow. Well, thank you, Jen, for your compassion that you offer in this world. And I know I've experienced it personally and, and what you're doing for you know people in their, their last breaths, like literally in their last breath. That's a, a really beautiful, beautiful offering. And that they and that they're they're blessed to have you to have you there because you I know you're the type of person that's really present with people and regardless of whether somebody is homeless or almost homeless or somebody's in a mansion, you know, you are, you are not, you don't discriminate in the, in the love and compassion that you give, you know, what you see is a human being, you know, a human that deserves love and compassion. And that's a, that's a beautiful offering. That's a beautiful gift that you bring to this world. And um, I acknowledge you and I, I thank you for that. Thank you so much. Those were mm. very kind words. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank yeah. you. Well, I've loved our conversation and I can't wait till we do it again in person or maybe I'll have you here back again on the podcast. And uh, much love to you. I miss you a lot. I'm sending you a big you. hug. I'm sending you a gigantic hug too. I'll see you soon. We'll talk again soon. Yeah. Thanks, Jen. Bye. Oh, I had so much fun interviewing Jen. I love talking to her. And and there was so much for me to learn listening to her wisdom and her lessons. And I want to sum up what she shared. So summing up with the three ways to stay spiritually fit. She said, have a practice that supports presence. Second, get in the habit for looking for what works opposed to looking for what doesn't work. And three, take time to slow down and look for connectedness. Look for connectedness. Such great tips. And then she shared that the gift of COVID for her was awareness and creating a a clean slate, something that she wanted to do already, but COVID was the catalyst that made that happen. Again, so many lessons in this episode. I'm so happy that I got to share Jen Silvera with you and our conversation. I appreciate you listening in to my guest interviews. I'll be back again next week with either a meditation or a yoga class. And I do want to share, if you are listening to this on Monday, November 2nd, I am offering a free a free Insight Timer live stream. So it's not, it's not me offering it for free, but Insight Timer, which is the app, they're offering live events. And I am leading one of the live events on the third so on election day on election day in the evening you'll see that i'm listed there and you can follow along de-stressing on election night with a yoga nidra so that's with me so check that out it's free it's a free live event on the insight timer app it's also in the insight timer website check that out i'll put the information in the episode notes if you want to follow along with that on Tuesday night. So that's Tuesday, 
Pacific Standard Time at 8.15. All right, everyone. Thank you so much. I appreciate you listening in. Let me know what you like. Let me know what you want to hear. Leave a review. Connect with me. Have a beautiful, blessed day. Peace out.